Hello and welcome to the Construction Youth Network. My name is Craig Shaw and I will be your host. Today I will be talking to Billy Clayton, a chartered quantity surveyor for Gardiner and Theobald. Billy recently completed his RICS APC, having received his bachelor degree in quantity surveying in early 2020. Right, so thank you for joining us today, Billy. No problem. Thanks for having us. Um, do you just want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Billy Clayton. Um, I'm an MEP quantity surveyor uh, working for Gardner and Fearbold, who are a cost consultancy. Um, yeah, so um, a majority of the projects are in London, but we uh, have worked on projects all um, around the UK, um, even one or two abroad, which was a good experience. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. You just want to explain for our viewers um, that don't necessarily uh, know what exactly um, an MEP surveyor is. Yes, sure, sorry. Um, yeah, so um, MEP is Mechanical Electrical Public Health. So essentially it's your building services side of construction projects. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm essentially, uh, is that that side of the construction so um just very briefly then what would you say the primary difference is like in qs in you you primary focus on those m e services you don't build that into general construction yeah that's correct so so the way we're sort of set up um the way gnt is set up at least um is we'll have um sort of specialist teams so you'll have a team specialising in residential, another specialising in commercial, health, sports and leisure, all the different sectors that we that we work in. Um, and as an MEP surveyor, um, our team will um, will essentially support the team, work alongside the other teams, and and cover the building services aspects of the construction project. Yeah. So, so those, those guys would do all the, the bricks and sticks, as, as, I, as I call it, and we do the pipes and wires. How, um, how long have you been doing that? Uh, it'll be coming up to six years in the new year, um, which is very, very quick. So um, have years, you, yeah. whereabouts uh, did you start within the company? Did you start off as a trainee, as an assistant and work your way up, or did you come in at that role? Uh, yeah, so I started as a trainee there. Um, so I actually did a week's worth of work experience with Gardner and Fearbold. Um, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, made a good contact there. And then several months later, when they were uh, recruiting, yeah, it sort of went on from there and, and uh, managed to secure a job as an apprentice quantity surveyor. So how old were you when you um, you undertook your work experience with them? Um, I was actually a bit older. Um, I, so I was working um, as part of the maintenance team in a hotel. Um, so I took a week's annual leave from that job to do it. Um, so I was, sorry? That hands-on. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, was, my role was a building services engineer. So which yeah, you, your maintenance, um, nothing glamorous or special, but it was, it was, good, it was a good little job. Um, so yeah, so I was, I was 20 um, when I started my work, when I did the work experience. And then I think by the time I started at GNT, I was 21. So I did start my apprenticeship a little bit later than your um, maybe your school leavers or college leavers even. So with your work experience then, I mean, did you 
did you leave your initial job then as um, within the um, the hotel? Did you leave that job to then actually go and undertake this work experience, knowing that's the area you wanted to get into? Or did you just kind of sort of do it concurrently? Or how did that work? Yeah, so I suppose I was I trained as a, as a plumber. Um, and I was sort of interested in sort of getting in the more sort of, if you want to call it, professional side of construction. Um, done a little bit of homework, a little bit of research. Quantity surveying sounded interesting uh, something interested me i'm quite strong at maths um so yeah it was, it was sort of like yeah, it took, took my interest um so yeah I, what i did i booked a week's annual leave at my job at the hotel and uh yeah did the week's work experience just i just wanted to before i sort of apply myself because i was sort of prepared to enroll myself on a hnc course or, or some form of degree um to work towards this but um so I just wanted to, before I sort of threw myself in the deep end, I just wanted to uh, get a taste that experience. Yeah, get a taste for what for what, um, for what QS does, um, what the role. And um, so how did you find this work experience to begin with? Was it a case of you literally just sort of going out almost door knocking, sending emails, or was it something that was advertised, or did you know someone there? Uh, it was, I actually knew someone who worked there. I knew the receptionist. Um, so that was, yeah. Someone who put a good word in for me, which was good. Um, but if, if anyone listening, definitely, if if that sounds like that of like interest of you, definitely just as you said, what do you call it, door knocking. Um, yeah, just get yourself out there, send your CVs, just send emails to you. It's just a general info app or sort of emails. Just a general email. Someone will pick it up, and it looks good if you're getting yourself out there. So if yeah, definitely do that, guys. Coming then um, and doing your work experience, um, how did that leave you motivated to go away and actually want to become a quantity surveyor? Or did you look at it and you had to sort of wonder whether it's what you wanted long term? Because it's quite mm. different. Well, like, I speak to a lot of people that have come sort of straight from sort of school, university, through an academic route into construction, sort of professionalism. Uh, rather than actually sort of people that have gone via a trades route and into it, which is like sort of like what you and me have done. Um, so I just wanted to know what your thoughts were actually like stepping away from the trades and actually sort of becoming a bean counter. <laughs> I'm surprised it took you this long to get that in there, Craig. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know about yourself, but I was, I was quite concerned about sitting at a desk, sitting still. Um, sort of growing up, I was always on the go. I could never, ever sit still. So to go into an office job was actually quite daunting and very, very new to me. I don't know, how did, how did you feel about that? Yeah, uh, um, to be honest with you, when when I left school, I knew I didn't want I didn't want an office job at all. That's why I kind of pursued yeah. the trade route. But I just I didn't could could not stand the idea of sitting behind a desk all day. And I remember yeah. when we talked about becoming um, a trainee surveyor um, about those opportunities still to get in the office, but also be out and about on site as well. And I think at that point, that's what kind of sold it to me personally. Anyway, that I could get that sort of fifty fifty split. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, it's the same for me. I was I was a bit bit concerned about sitting in an office and. and uh, yeah, How did not, you feel being... coming away from your your week's experience? Did you feel kind of like yes, I can do this, or do you know what? Yeah. Am I a bit at my depth? No, no, one hundred percent. I like I loved every minute of it. Like I didn't want to leave. Like 
I was stay like obviously the guys like will often sometimes stay late if it's really busy. And when I was there, it was, it was super busy. And, uh, I remember sort of it rolled around to half five, and I was like, I turned to like the guy I was working. I was like, oh, anything else I can do? He's like, get yourself home. Like I think it was on the second day. He was like, get yourself home. It's half five. I was like, no, no, honestly, like, like please send anything my way. I was like, I was absolutely buzzing. Um, yeah, and I was like within. I think within the first day, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is for me. This is like," and as you said, it's 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 not your it's it's very fast paced like industry. Um, things are always changing, evolving, and as you said, you, you've got that nice balance of being able to get out on site when you, when you can and, and things like that. So it's not, and even when you are in the office, it's it's sort of yeah, it's just. It's challenging. It's not as if it's like a mundane task doing it day in, day out, the same kind of activities, you know. It, like I said, it changes, and that's that's the important thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, your, your days is like, I, I don't know about you, but for me, there's not a standard day. Yeah. Um, so well, one day I could be... No day's ever the same. <laughs> yeah, but like one day I could be doing an evaluation on site, the next day... I could be in design team meetings, the following day I could be doing measures, cosplay, like there's just such a variety of tasks. Uh, you, know, you won't ever get bored, I don't think at least. So um, what happened then after your work experience? I mean, was, was you approached for actually for a job at the um, the company or did the, did you turn around and say, look, I'd really like sort of to get like into this more. Is there anything you can do or point me in the right direction? I mean, was it a case again, like, they really they wanted to hold on to you um so i remember we had like at the end of the week um i had a sort of a, sort of a general catch-up meeting with the the um team's partner um having a chat with him and um, we really got along well um yeah and he sort of said oh you've sort of done well and like, how did you find your experience i was like i actually loved it um he was like, oh, like unfortunately it's not a role going at the moment mm-hmm. um but let's stay in touch and in the near future, if anything comes up, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll definitely let you know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I was like, okay, sounds, sounds good. Sounds promising. Sort of, if I don't hear from him, there's nothing lost. At least I know now this is what I want to do. Um, went away, sort of started reviewing my options. Unfortunately, I didn't have like any A-levels. I started plumbing at College like City and Gills. Um, so it meant that I'd had to do sort of the HNC route, something like that. I can go straight into uni. So I was reviewing my options and, and things like that. Um, and a couple of months later, I actually got a call from from the um, from the partners who said uh, sort of they're, they're, they're recruiting, get, get onto the website um, and apply. So yeah, got on, applied, went through all the uh, interview stages and all the assessment days, etc. And yeah, managed to managed to get the job, which was um, yeah really really good. And that was it then that you actually started to sort of pursue the HNC route because. Um, obviously, we we met each other on that HNC course at Havering. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so we, we've known each other quite a long time now. Um, was it a case of that you actually had already committed to that academic group before that trainee job had um, come up, or was it a case of look, you're on this, you, you've got this position now. Now we need to get you for a degree. So this is what you need to do, kind of thing. Yeah, so it was all it was all part of the. Um, so I, I joined GNT as an apprentice, um, and they've got a people and development team over there who are an absolutely amazing team. Um, 
yeah, so big up them. <laughs> um, <laughs> <You're listening. laughs> and no, honestly, they're, yeah, they're, they're so supportive. They're well on top of it. It's, yeah, it's made it um, a lot sort of smoother. So, so obviously, I was in, as I said, I was in a bit of an unusual situation. I think normally the guys would go straight into sort of you know, their college course. Well, at the time it was a five year, but I think yeah. even now I think they've reduced to a four year apprenticeship college course. Anyway, um, but not even in A levels. Um, it was a bit of an unusual kind of situation. Yeah. So um, yeah, went into the HNC, which was all through Gardner and Fearbold. Um Yeah, did the HNC was a two year course, um, yep, two and then proceeded on to finishing off at university for three years, um, all, all part time. So it was a five year program sort of throughout. Um, Where did you go to university? That was London South Bank. Yeah, so studying quantity surveying. Um, having a HNC sort of covered essentially your, your first two years, but your foundation. Sorry, yeah. yeah, your foundation, which I needed to get in, sort of get first before going on to uni, not having A levels. And how did you find then um, going back into sort of um, the academics side of things? So you just started at GT. Um, you've sort of starting off as a trainee again sort of coming off on the tools going back into a classroom experience where you've I suppose you're lucky in that you're getting sort of the on-site experience and the academic at the same time but did you struggle initially? Yeah I struggled um sort of getting back into as you said that, that classroom environment sort of having two years out of, of education and then get back into it. So, yeah, it was it was it was difficult to to adjust at first, but you do. But as, as you said, that that um, I'm sure you'll probably cover this later. But that um, sort of hands-on experience is absolutely like so so valuable. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But you know, I did. I found it difficult to to adjust at first. So um, I'm sure you were probably the same. I think we actually had this conversation in the in the first year. There's quite a few of us in our situation. Well, what was um, weird was that actually it just goes to show how many sort of different routes people can go through because I when I became a trainee I went to see like um, a careers advisor about my options sort of for my degree because like you I'd done seating guilds like in carpentry and joinery so yeah. I had no A levels or level threes anything like that but I was advised rather than going in a like a HNC foundation degree level to go and do um, a part-time level three uh, BTEC in construction. So yeah. by the time we'd actually met at the beginning of HNC, I'd done two years already there um, for my level three equivalent, as well as sort of a couple of others that were in the HNC class with us. Um, yeah. But, but then, as you said, there was it wasn't just yourself. There was a few, wasn't there, in the class that had actually just got those sort of trainee apprenticeship positions and had started on a HNC course some of mm. which you kind of felt didn't have any real construction knowledge at all you know and you might sort of like look at that and think they're a bit out of their depth here kind of thing because for me like when yeah. we were doing, say for example CAD units for example like I'd done that at level three and already for two years uh, at work you know so I find it a lot easier than what other people did yeah um I definitely definitely agree with that as you said you had sort of some some guys straight from sort of college um, with sort of little or, or next to no work experience. So um, no, it's, it's, it's really cool sort of having people from sort of all different routes. Um, you know, some, some guys are a lot older even, um, sort of 
restarting their career, which was which was cool again. And it's just yeah, it's, it's good to sort of share everyone's experiences and and Rose and especially with the HNC, I think you learned because you had all the different disciplines, um, sort of not like a, just a standard quantities of ankles where everyone's QS. With the HNC, you got people from all different different disciplines. So yeah, um, I yeah. think that actually that really helped. That's a really good point because there were some modules that we were doing that would be certain people strong suits. Those, for example, that were geared up towards maybe quantity surveying, and that those that were say set up for um, site management. You know, where we was talking about sort of construction economics and setting up sites and. Uh, um, yeah, like managing trades, programs of works, those kind of things, which was sort of better suited to some people, which I think really helped the class out as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially like when you look at the group project, you you've got sort of all different kind of experiences. Like it's it's, it's almost quite like a, your standard sort of team that you'd have. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a typical yeah. design setup for actually a, a real life project, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. Rather than having a load of QSs trying to cover all different different disciplines you've got you've got people from all different yeah yeah it's good and how did you find it then moving on from college to university was there any transition there like with with regards to say for example i i typically found at college um the teachers were very much more hands-on and willing to help out whereas at university it was going up to that next level it was it was expected of you to be um to have that autonomy you know, to be able to just sort of like, this is what you've got to do, here it is, get on with it kind of thing. Yeah, it's a little bit more, you've a little bit more spoon-fed, aren't you, at college to, to a degree. Um, yeah, our degrees, like, even sort of your lectures, you go from having sort of a small class of maybe, what was it, 15 of us, say? Yeah. yeah. So your lectures where there's 100 plus people, easily over 100 people in, in a lecture theatre. So, uh, yeah, very different atmosphere. Um yeah, and as you, how, you've how did you got feel that. About that, that change though? Like, did it come easy to you? Like being, like being able to work more on your own, being self more self sufficient. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose I was always quite self sufficient at college. Um, sort of always wanted to do my best. I'd uh, say sort of that, never yeah. just sort of, yeah, never <laughs> just sort of satisfying. But oh, that'll do. So I'm always trying to do my best. I I would put in the extra hours. I remember once at college you came in once and you'd done a a student talk I think for the RICS because we had one of our lectures one morning and you basically sort of come in and said like look I need to do this for 10 minutes I need to do this presentation because there was some project you were running I I don't know I can't remember exactly what it was (laughs) it was definitely for the RICS but I just can't remember now and uh, I just remember sort of sitting there listening to you I was just like this guy's got like he's got it figured out like he knows what he wants to do Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, I've done a couple of things. I can't remember which one that was, but yeah. Did I use you as guinea pigs then? Did I practice yeah. the presentation? Oh, no, right. No, I'm pretty sure that it was an presentation that you had to deliver. Um, it, it was something to do with, I'm sure it was something to do with promoting student membership for the RICS. Um, oh, okay. I, I'm pretty sure it was. But, um, I remember I did one which I went along to an event with the RICS and um, I could sort of get up on stage and give a presentation. It was just completely out of the blue. Wasn't expecting it. I was just there to sort of help out. And then uh, next minute I'm on stage giving a sort of a bit of a speech about sort of my route and what I do. So that was, uh, yeah, that was so nerve wracking. <laughs> so it wouldn't have been that one. 
was going to say, how do you find presenting then as a young professional? Because um, a lot of people I speak to are quite sort of shy and timid about it. And I kind of feel like you get the two extremes. Like, I, I mean, it was drummed into myself at university and like at work, at, like sort of very early on, that you'll be expected to do these. So just kind of sort of like suck it up and get on with it kind of thing. So how do you find presenting? Yeah, naturally, I'm not I'm not a presenter. Um, <laughs> I'm not very good at presenting. Like even at sort of college, when you've got to do a, give a presentation, yeah, the nerves I'd be I'd be shaking. I'm just it's just naturally it's not a strong point of mine. Um, Is there anything you so, found to help calm your nerves? Like do it. Um, just preparation. Yeah. Um, just plenty of prep. If I've ever ever had a sort of a presentation at college or or even for the APC process, um, just plenty of prep know your presentation inside out um that's what helps me um but in terms of the nerves i haven't found anything that works yet but, um, <laughs> i like to think they're uh, uh sort of a benefit and an advantage keep keep you on your toes kind of thing well we haven't spoken have to try yet. that one um and obviously we want to congratulate you for recently passing your rics apc becoming a child thank you very player. much thank um, you. so I just want to touch briefly on it. How how did you find the whole experience, like the APC in general? Uh, yeah, but just before we start, just um, I did the construction and quantity surveying pathway. Yep. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, how did I find it? Um, challenging. Um, tough. Late nights. Many many late nights. Um, but at the same time, equally like very, very rewarding. It's well, well worth the the hard work. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd definitely uh, encourage others to do it. Um, yeah, and you you sort of through that process, you you do you do learn a hell of a lot. Yeah. You sort of, yeah, you do. I was going to say, even my, myself currently going through it at the moment, the mm. the vast array kind of like of competencies that you have to cover. Um, just for example, like um, accounting sort of principles, etc. Stuff that you would not normally sort of associate with a surveyor, uh, especially a building surveyor. Uh, mm. um, the, the amount you just have to sort of soak up that knowledge is absolutely, it's, it's intense. And I have the utmost respect for anyone that's sort of gone through that process and come out of it the other side. Uh, um, how, how do you think it's helped you uh, with regards to your sort of uh, professional work now, though, do you feel like now you've come through that? I'm guessing your confidence is sort of it's it's up there, you know. Uh, um... I, I definitely think the, the confidence is there. Um, you sort of I'm, I can't really give an example, but even something you, you sort of you know well, like I, oh, let's say procurement and tendering as a, as a QS. I mean, that's sort of you know, an essential knowledge to have um but sort of going through the apc process it's like it's just completely like drummed into you um and yeah you just you just you, yeah it just gives you that more confidence like when you approach things then um <sighs> because i've got to be honest with you like for myself i kind of feel I mean, even since going through the um, the professional re review for the Chartered Institute of Building, um, I kind of feel like even at, like at work, I think of things in a totally different light now. In a, I analyse things in a totally different way. 
Um, yeah. And I feel that it's actually made me more accountable in myself, not only to an yes. body, but more accountable in myself. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I, I, I think that one of the biggest things is, is, is again, the confidence sort of where before, um, if I'd got asked a sort of question, um, I'd, I'd sort of, I'd know the answer, but I'd be like, oh, okay, let me, let me check that and get back to you. Where sort of going through the APC process and sort of putting all the hours of studying in, it's, it's the, the answers just like, not with everything obviously, but a lot of the answers are almost like readily available. And I don't have to second think. I don't have to think about it a second time. I just sort exactly. of it's second give the answer. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's almost like second nature. So um, yeah, for me, it's definitely the, that sort of, that confidence and you sort of girls. I mean, you, you just you just know the answer, like uh, you've been through it. Just we we touch on sort of um, I suppose advice to young professionals later, but just very briefly, specifically about sort of um, the APC process in itself. For anyone listening at the moment that's currently going through it. What advice specifically would you give to those people? Just prepare again. Just be prepared. Um, I, I feel I was I was pretty well prepared, but there was definitely stages where I was thinking I should have done. Sorry, I, I'll tell you, it's worthwhile noting. Did you go through the twelve month or twenty four month route? I did twenty four month route. Yeah. Um, Talking about that, I suppose how. How have you managed to get through not just your APC, but also, again, juggling the academic and professional sort of studies as well? How have you kept that work-life balance over the years? Yeah, I mean, it is is very, very difficult. Um, Sort of thinking earlier on, maybe, your deadlines are a little bit more uh, sort of spread out, if that makes sense. So... I think, I don't know about anyone, like, you, you start a new module, the first few weeks, you're just sort of comfortable with your time at uni, maybe the odd hour here and there. But then when it comes to closer to your submission date, then obviously you have to ramp up the study time, <laughs> spend the weekends locked in your bedroom or locked in somewhere studying. Um, so that's where you sort of tend to miss out, isn't it, around sort of submission times. Um, Was there anything, though, that you ever did... Um sort of like religiously like did you ever set yourself out like any plans for sort of say for example I'm going to make sure I get this section done this week or I'm going to focus on reading this bit now and then next week I'll type this up like was, was there ever, ever any actual plan or did it just kind of sort of you you did it as and when you could um obviously working sort of essentially full-time or mm. um a lot of time was sort of fitting when you can because if you if you've got if you have to work one night if you have to work late one night because you've got a deadline and yeah so I, I did I did try to to sort of structure my learning as as much as possible i.e. okay right Thursday next week I'm gonna stay late and and, and study but um, at the same time that often changed if that makes sense due to sort of work commitments um, it's not just that so, I, I always found personally I would sit down make a plan. And then life would just literally just get in the way. Something, yeah. something whether it's personal, professional, etc., something would always crop up and just throw that entire thing completely out of way. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I find that I find that really, really disheartening. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do. And it used to just like that's what I was saying. I started off with that intention of right, okay, 
this night, that night, I'm going to study and this day of the weekend. And then something come up and then it's all, all out the window. Um, and you sort of, and yeah, I, I suppose I got to a point where I was like, that kept happening. Um, it was quite disheartening. And you'd spend all this time trying to plan. You'd spend an hour or so trying to plan where I could have just spent that time effectively towards yeah. my submission or whatever I was working towards. So in the end, it was just sort of, yeah, it was all quite, not last minute, but when I was like, if I like, okay, tomorrow I should, like, should have an evening free. I'm going to get a bit of studying in. So it wasn't sort of planning ahead too much. But Do you know what? I, I still, to this day, like, I spend every Sunday night pretty much planning what I'm going to do during the week. But that's both like if I've got sort of academic studies like with my APC or if mm. there's certain specific things at work that I need to make sure I'm looking at and addressing. I, I set it out as like a, a weekly planner. But the problem is mm. nine times out of ten, Monday morning, something's happened okay. over the weekend and that whole thing's just gone anyway. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Um, do you know what? Uh, we'll talk briefly again about COVID as well. But I found... Yeah. That first lockdown in March, that was the only time I could kind of make a plan and actually stick to it. Yeah, I well believe it. I was writing my dissertation at the time and I was... Likewise, yeah. I was actually worried for myself because I thought being stuck at home, I will take that time for granted and I'll still leave it to the last minute. Mm. Um, but I, surprisingly to myself, just... I got up each morning and I just locked myself away in the study and just done what I needed to do, done what I needed to do. You know, I made sure I was up to date on work and then I could spend some time just purely on my dissertation, whether it was reading or writing. And yeah. Mm. I, I wasn't getting the same like level of intrusion that I would say if I was physically in the office, you know, when you're in the office and someone turns around and says, Oh, can you quickly look at this? Or can you, do you mind looking at that? Or can you do this? Yeah, yeah. You, that's interesting. You said about the mornings. Are you you more? Do you feel more effect, like more uh, productive? Sorry, in the morning. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I definitely did as well. It's like especially in the build up to my to my APC. Um, I was I was studying sort of morning and night, but um, I was I was waking up at sort of five a.m. getting in sort of three four hours before work, um, and those three or four hours were, were definitely the most productive. Of, of the day um and he said you sort of you, you haven't got you've got less distractions uh, of, of a morning i mean not i don't think many of my friends are up at uh, 5 a.m <laughs> where i'm not of an evening <laughs> of an evening you've got your sort of your group chats pinging yeah. off or, or whatever it may be or even sort of oh, okay i like like i didn't i didn't read my my work emails like i just logged on straight on to studying yeah um, but where obviously at the end of the day you're thinking oh, okay let me try and get this done before the end of the day and then before you know it's sort of six half six maybe even seven o'clock and then you you, sort of, you your evening's running away from you so yeah that that, that early morning if you, if you can if you can do it if you're a morning person I, that works really really well for me so that, there's a little tip maybe for some of you yeah <laughs> uh, no you're exactly right it's weird because I, I literally i was looking the other day again at my work diary and i noticed that at the moment all my um, my surveys seem to be booked for sort of AM appointments, you know, and I'm thinking now, well, maybe actually I'm a lot more active and self-alert first thing of the morning. So maybe it'd be a good, a good idea for me 
to have my appointments in the afternoon. So I'm out and about looking at buildings, etc. But in the morning, I can sit down properly, focus and get those reports typed up that I'd normally take me yeah. two times longer in an afternoon trying to stay motivated, you know? Yeah, it's a... Uh... I don't know, it's just, I just found it a really good time to be up and being really productive. You sort of, you feel, and at the time nine o'clock comes around and you're sort of ready to start work, you feel like you've already achieved something. Um, yeah. I think there's probably, I'm sure there's probably some sort of like professional, like professional athletes sort of, and like success rate, like wake up early. Like, I'm sure I've heard something similar. I think it might be a float of um, Floyd Mayweather, like runs of during the night or something. Yeah, they all do. Where his opponents they asleep or something like that. Them. Yeah. The, the yeah. All- I I, um, I listened to a lot of um, stuff about Kobe Bryant, um, some of the stuff he did when he was training, etc. For the Lakers, and uh, um, yeah, he used to get up that time, sort of a train twice before, sort of eight o'clock in the morning, kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just as I say, it's just it's nice to you feel like you've achieved something before you, your day's even really begun. Before people start pestering you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're talking about COVID. Yeah. Uh, how how would you say sort of professionally this year it's impacted upon you? Well, um, I don't really know where to start. Um, I mean, is it impacted um, on your workload or sort of your face, that, like your conversations with clients and colleagues? You know, have you found... Yeah, so speaking just, just through my personal experience, um, I was fortunate enough that all of the projects I'm working on uh, I mean, like um, stayed live. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them got put on pause, which was a, obviously a huge relief. Um, so yeah, it was sort of almost business as normal, really. Um, obviously, we had to adapt the way we communicate with, with the team and with clients and etc. Um, lots of lots of uh, Zoom calls, team meetings, etc. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's become the new norm, isn't it? Everyone's sort of adapted and sort of well in tune with it now, aren't they? I know, I'm, I'm getting, I, I keep seeing memes everywhere um, at the moment about, uh, you're on mute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've all done it, we've all done it. <laughs> to be fair, when we we caught up last week, didn't we? We hadn't spoken in a while, and I think actually since we've <laughs> you're on mute, can't hear <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's like the dog barking in the background, that's another classic. Um but yeah, it's 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 good. It's it's been okay. Yeah, it's um, it sort of has changed the way we communicate. Um, have you, have yeah. you been at home this entire time, or have you been into the office at all? So oh, I can't remember when it was, but the the office did open up um, for on like a voluntary basis. Um, so if if you haven't got a great working environment at home, or maybe just your personality don't suit that sort of working from home um obviously it can be quite challenging um they, they open they open up the office um sort of so you could go in and if you feel your preference really um but obviously takes they've also been obviously had to uh, comply with the with the latest guidance um so yeah it's sort of always updated that as and when um, one thing they have done is sort of split the uh, all employees on sort of shift so you've got a red and blue shift so that naturally sort of cuts down. So you have certain days you can go in to reduce the numbers. Um, but yeah. What impact do you think COVID is going to have long term then on young professionals in construction? As in the guys training or? Well, yeah, I suppose um, you could look at training, but also, say, for example, even the still likes of us. I mean, 
um, you're fresh out of your APC, so it's, it's a little mm. bit different because the expectations on you compared to, say, for example, me in a professional capacity are, are, are slightly different. Um, but what, how do you think it's going to impact upon, for example, young professionals being at home? Yeah, I, I think it's a really tough time to, as it may be slot. I mean, even for me, like you, you're losing that interaction with with colleagues. And you're, you're losing that kind of sort of just hearing conversations and sort of a bit of shadowing. That, that awareness. Yeah, you, you sort of, you learn, especially in the like early years. I mean, even now I'm still learning, but you um, you, you lose that experience, don't you, sort of, of like shadowing or sort of conversations in, 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 in the office. Um, yeah, which you which you you do learn a lot from. So I mean, yeah, it must be really really tough for the guys in their sort of first and second years, especially. Is that, is that like taking that on board? Like has has been being at home actually impacted on how you would network with people? Like if you found yourself um, reaching out to new people or using different streams of communication with people that you may not necessarily have done so before. Uh, yeah, so obviously, as I said, a lot of teams meeting, a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of quizzes. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've just tried to keep the, the sort of stay in touch with, with the contacts and the network that I've sort of already have. Um, in terms of meeting new people, obviously, it's a lot, it's a lot harder, isn't it? You're not sort of going to, to events or naturally is that something you was big on before then attending sort of events like cpds or seminars and conferences yeah yeah definitely yeah um for when cpds come up um, i know the rscs actually offered free cpd didn't they earlier in the year um, yeah. which was really good um, i suppose and they've recognized that those cpd events have suddenly stopped um so for all for everyone it's difficult to get sort of that training in so that was good of them um, to offer that free service um, so I definitely made the use of some of those um, yeah uh, um, so what kind of advice then now you, I suppose you've got that network of people around you what what advice would you give to those listening that are maybe trying to build that that initial network themselves you know whether it's it's friends and colleagues at um colleges and universities like i said for example you and i we've known each other what for four or five years now so we've remained yeah. in contact so so what what advice would you give to people i suppose the, the simplest one is just just stay in contact with with those whose path you cross um, make an effort yeah make an effort definitely um yeah just staying like it's i think especially like university and college like in your early career it might not might not mean too much, if that makes sense. So it'll, it'll probably be, I'm trying to say here, like it might not benefit your career from a, from a professional point of view. It might not be huge benefits at the time in your first, second, third year, even fourth year. Um, but personally, though, you, you'll stay in touch. You'll stay in touch with these people. And then in 30 years' time, when you're a lot more senior, they, they could be a sort of a valuable contact to have. But point outside even from from my personal point of view sort of just friendships yeah. um i wouldn't class you as a, as a contact i <laughs> class you as a mate <laughs> so um yeah yeah no no you say that though but i mean i i 
I kind of think of myself uh, at work, I suppose, as quite um, isolated in some regards. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've got my friends at work and I've got my colleagues at work. But for me, as a young professional and someone that's going through my EPC, having mm-hmm. finished university, having those people, like I, I'm still in very, very close contact with like sort of my university friends, you know, that, the, the cliques you kind of have. Um, and they're all now going through their APC or some form of chartership experience as well. So mm. we may not see each other week to week like we used at university, but we're still talking just as much about the same things. And yeah. That's invaluable, I think, really, to have those people going through the same experiences as you, but having a different yeah. perspective. Yeah, definitely. I think you, you support each other hell of a lot through through your studies, through your education. I mean, like, I got think back to when we went to college. And, I mean, there'll be certain things that I might be stronger than, and then there'll be certain things you were stronger at, and you sort of, you know, support each other through it and help each other through it. And, yeah, so it's, and, you, know, you can learn a lot off your sort of cohort, I guess you want to call them that. Um, so, um, again, talking gem- generally now, um, what advice would you give to those starting out in the profession um that's a good question um i suppose just put the hard work in um it's it might seem i remember when i first started i was like oh, i've got five years of this ahead of me like how am i going to get through it's going to feel like forever it absolutely flies by you, you must feel the same craig yeah oh i'll tell you what i still remember um when I found out that I was going to do like the level three route and I worked it out, it was seven years for me to finish university from starting out. Wow. Yeah. And I remember just thinking like, this is going to just go on forever. <laughs> As you just said, it just absolutely like flies by in the blink of an eye. Like we were yeah. saying the other week, weren't we? Like it's been a while since you and I had actually spoken, but it's yeah. Flew- it feels like yesterday, like just being at universe, um, at college in the classroom, doesn't it? <laughs> I can still like picture the college, like yeah, the classroom. I can still, imagine, yeah. yeah, I can still like I can probably still remember where everyone sort of had their regular seats and things like that. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it goes so quick. So like, don't be, don't be scared about that. Don't sort of don't that sort of thought like it, it, can, it can be quite daunting. Yeah, just just get for like you will just get for it. It's I suppose it's, for me, it was a bit, I almost felt a bit flat after because it's sort of, as I said, five years of studying, five years of always sort of having sort of something to think about other than uh, on top of work. So like weekends, you know, oh, I've got to do a bit of studying and um, things like that. But, but now it's sort of like, okay, it's coming to an end. But I think, yeah, next year will be interesting. Obviously this year you sort of, it's, I finished off quite close to Christmas and you sort of come in. But yeah, so next year will be interesting, but I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. But, Hopefully, um, have a social life. Yeah, that's that's another thing that's been quite strange. Not being able to sort of really celebrate and and catch up with friends, but at the same time, I suppose obviously as part of your APC and stu- all the studying that goes alongside it is you, you probably you're going to miss out on a lot of social plans. But I never ever really felt I was missing out because no one could socialise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I've had a bit of five-a-side football that some of my <laughs> friends were doing. I didn't really feel like I was missing out. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's going to be... I've kind of yes. felt like personally this this time, like 
being stuck at home as 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 hard as it actually is and there, there are some real hard days being stuck at home I just feel like you've got to make the most of that time as well and like I said with undertaking your APC or a- any mm. sort of academic study at all I think that that's that's actually the point you've got the time now to sit down and really sort of focus on it and get it done you know yeah yeah because I mean if any guys listening um in a sort of first year just starting off maybe <clears throat> you definitely will be giving up a few evenings a few weekends to study um I'm sure you appreciate that if you don't then here's a reality check you will be um <laughs> so yeah but it's all it's all worth it in the end believe me I'm sure you you will uh, Great, Craig. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I could could not agree more. Uh, um, it, it it flies by. So all I'd say is just make the most of it. And yeah. um, last thing I'd like to ask is, where do you see yourself in in, in future in ten years? Oof, that is a, another good question, Craig. Um, well, I, I suppose I still see myself at GNT. Um, I'd be progressing through the ranks. Yeah, sort of. I'm really happy. Really, really happy where I am. Um, yeah, they are a great firm. Um, so yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, is no, there anything sort of you'd like to see particularly change in future then, like within the industry as a whole? Um, so, like, I'd like to obviously coming through the apprenticeship scheme. I'm sort of a huge advocate advocate of apprenticeships and and that method of learning. I think so. When I was at university, I sort of did my like you you you're in lectures with the full time students um, and the part time students and you can you can tell the difference um, sort of just having that hands on experience um, is so valuable um, yeah as I said you can sort of you can see the difference between those who are sort yeah. of studying full time they just haven't got they haven't applied it where time you come to your second third year or even you you've sort of you may have already done that so if you're studying i don't know contract practice for instance you know I mean? you, you've, you may have already sort of done uh, like produced contract documents and prepared contract docs etc in a contract so, administrator those kind of things yeah yeah exactly so you've already sort of you've, you've applied that and i think for me i don't like the, i'm always best off like, the, like my method of learning sorry um is more suited towards sort of hands-on experience. Yeah. So once once I've done it, I can I then understand all like the theory behind it, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I'd I'd like to I'd personally like to sort of promote and keep supporting the guys coming through the apprenticeship scheme, even even in ten years, as you say. I'd just like to see that continuing. Um, and I know it's becoming like hugely popular. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a very good point that you brought up though about the sort of the full timers and part timers because. Um, mm-hmm. I, I did notice it as well with some, just general sort of conversations that you would have um, in class or outside of class with full-time students as well you you can see a, a distinct difference and I just I worry sometimes that 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 will impact the future of the profession because you've got so many students that still are fresh out of university without that experience that it may put certain employers off because of it and I know universities work incredibly hard to keep everything as relevant as possible and provide those real life sort of scenarios like that were drummed into us at university, I know. Um, yeah. They still just lack that physical, that application. 
It is exactly that. It's the application. That's the word I was looking for. It's having <laughs> that application is is very very valuable. Um, yeah, I think apprenticeships are, they are becoming much more recognised within the professional industry. I think I think even sort of when I left school, when you hear apprentice, you always thought of a trade. Yeah. Always thought of um, sort of plumber, electrician, builders, hairdressers, all all sort of like practical yeah. trades. Whereas now I think. Um, now you hear apprentice, I think it applies to sort of all. It's, it's a broad range now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, sort of. Um, and again, a degree at the end of an apprenticeship, I mean, what, that's incredible. Um, um, yeah, I know, for instance, like um, with a quantity surveying course, I think it's a three year apprenticeship. I mean, uh, sorry, four, four year apprenticeship, I think. Um, so, I mean, yeah, four years and you sort of. You've got all for your four years, you, you finish uni, you've got your degree, four years of experience, and you're sort of ready to progress into your APC. It's, that's incredible. Um, and that, that be... goes back to exactly why you've just got to get your head down and those late nights, you know, those evenings. Yeah. Becomes necessary. So. Mm. And it is, it is definitely, definitely worth it. Sort of, having sort of been for it, yeah. I can, yeah. Oh, it's well, well worth it. Thank you for joining us today, Billy. No, thanks for having us. Um, yeah, appreciate it.